Welcome to the Metro Church Podcast. Metro exists to exalt God and equip people. Here at Metro, we long to become a community that celebrates the presence of God, communicates the Word of God, demonstrates the love of God, and educates the people of God. Everything we do revolves around this core mission and vision. We are so glad you are here today to listen to this week's podcast. It is our prayer that this message encourages you and equips you to be like Christ in all aspects of your life. Enjoy today's message. Amen. Hallelujah. What a joy, church, this morning to be with you all. I bring Christian greetings to all of you in the sweet and matchless name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So good to see you all in the house of the Lord this morning, worshiping our great King and Lord together in this place. Amen. You know, this morning, uh, my reading was uh, from First Chronicles chapter 21. And in First Chronicles 21, if you know the story, the story says um, David wanted to count the people. And his commander came and said, why? But David still wanted to count. He said, no, we need to count God's people. Satan had incited his heart and he went on counting. And then his heart was pricked. And then the Lord sent his servant and told him, I sent before you three things. Ask, three years of famine, three years that you will be routed before your enemies, or three days the sword of the Lord. Choose what you want. And David said, it is better to fall in the hands of the living God. So he chose the three days. And three days, the angel of the Lord came, and a lot of people died. And as the angel of the Lord came closer to the threshing floor of Arnon, The Lord said, come on, stop it now. Too many people have died. And David came at that spot. And Aaron came seeing David and said, what do you want? He said, I want your threshing floor. I want your threshing floor so that I may build an altar for the Lord. And I want to sacrifice a burnt offering before God. Aaron said, yes, take it. I will even provide the oxen for you. I will even provide the woods for you for the sacrifice. David said, no, I will not offer to the Lord anything that does not cost me. I will not offer anything to the Lord that does not cost me. Burnt offering being set before God. The Hebrew word for burnt offering is ola. It's just like our Spanish ola, isn't it? But this is O-L-A-H. It doesn't simply mean the offering that is presented before God. But more than that, that which is taken up. That which is taken up. What is taken up? It is a smoke from the burnt offering that rises to the very presence of God. And God is pleased in that burnt offering. If you want to read that more, read Leviticus chapter 1. You will see the stipulations that were given for burnt offering. So beautifully. Because as a child of God, as an Old Testament believer, when they come before God, they have to bring a sacrificial animal before God as a burnt offering. And as the burnt offering is cut and laid at the altar, the smoke that rises from the altar would would go before God and God would indeed be pleased, would indeed be pleased in the aroma of the sacrifice. And the believer knows that my, this, as the smoke is rising up, this is going as a pleasing sacrifice before God. Hallelujah. David said, I will not offer to God anything that which not cost me. This morning, let me ask you, church, what has it cost you this morning to give to God? 
we got up through isn't it this morning we woke up we got dressed up we burned some fuel to come here when the gas prices are nearly 3 to 4 dollars that is true but what else is costing us the the air in our lungs the breath that we have this morning we heard about two people you know that we know who were taken to hospital because of breathlessness because of lack of oxygen and this morning church if you, if you if you and i have the breath in our lungs hallelujah could we say lord i want to praise you i want to magnify you i want to give you my glory hallelujah does it cost us something to worship god salvation is free that's what we, we we read in the scriptures isn't it salvation is free but it is not cheap it is not cheap it cost god his only begotten son so that you and i can stand on the platform of salvation and we can say lord thank you for the gift of salvation thank you for saving me thank you for making me a son and a daughter amen this morning why i'm saying this i'm so excited this morning why tomorrow is 15th august india is celebrating its 75th independence day that is not the only reason for me to celebrate but 35 years ago i got the privilege to accept and be baptized in waters of baptism on august 15th 1987 i still remember precisely the waters in ambala city park to be baptized there to join with jesus christ and looking back the 35 years the lord has been faithful and good one of the scripture passages that spoke to me as i was reading and meditating god's word was gospel of john chapter 14 verse 6 it says jesus said i am the way the truth and the life no man cometh to the father except through me in a world that is turned upside down this is the right side of the jesus speaking truth is not something truth is someone and that someone is jesus christ yesterday while we were celebrating the sunday school anniversary that got reiterated in many of the skits and many of the songs that were being done here by children you know that truth kind of again that they all kind of like this is what they have been learning in the sunday school i mean class for the last 10 11 months truth is not something but truth is someone and that someone is jesus christ amen to have a connection with the truth to have a connection with the truth to know the truth and that truth will set you free know the truth and the truth will set you free amen i want to thank god for this wonderful time even as we have started a new series church a new series on worship the heart of worship heart of worship you know there are two uh, beautiful words in the hebrew bible and in the greek bible that talks about worship the hebrew bible one of the word that is been used more than 170 times is the word shaka that means uh, to bow down to prostrate to fall down that's 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 the meaning of the word uh, to to depress yourself to humble yourself um, i mean there are there are several uh, old testament passages that you can find abraham when he saw the three angels in genesis 18 he bowed down in worship uh moses in chapter 34 of exodus he bowed down in worship all the all those places the same word is used the magi in the new testament word that is uh similar to that is proskune also means the same thing to bow down 
to fall, to lick someone's hand, bowing down. You know, one of, one of, one of, the, one of the examples, illustrations that is used is like a dog that is licking his master's hand. That kind of a meaning is what worship is. So, ask Job, he would say, when he heard the, the most important news that his children have all died, his wealth has all been lost. You know what the Bible says? He rose up. And what did he do? What did he do? He fell face down on the ground, prostrated himself before God in worship. And what did he say? The Lord has given, the Lord has taken, blessed be his name. So worship meant something that people would come and they would fall down in reverence. There was a physical act of falling down. There was a physical act of bowing down, going low in reverence, in awe, because you stand in awe of that person. Because you stand, that person may be royalty, that person may be someone who needs to be given, just like Pastor Lindstrom was sharing, that this senator coming in, everybody stood up, the atmosphere changed because of the dignity of that person. Amen. Think about that for worship. We come here with our own status quo, isn't it? We know that we are something. Yes, we may be something and somebody. But when we come in the presence of God, we become zero. We realize that we are nothing. Hallelujah. The only person that counts here is our Lord and our Savior. Amen. And when David is worshiping before that God and King, he says, I will be undignified. I don't care what you think about my worship. I don't care what your opinion is about me when it comes to worship. I will be more undignified. Hallelujah. No wonder he's called as a man after God's own heart. As a man after God's own heart. Why? Because he's willing to be undignified in the presence of God. Hallelujah. So church, last Sunday, <clears throat> Pastor Linson took us on a journey reminding us that the attitudes that are necessary for worship, the attitude that are necessary for a worship. Sometimes we may be bowing down and prostrating, but a heart may still be lifted up high. That doesn't change anything, isn't it? Physically, we may be bowing down, but our hearts are not in reverence. Our hearts are still not bowing down. So he reminded us last Sunday through, through two New Testament passages, especially from the Gospel of Luke. Luke has this uncanny ability of bringing people who are on the margins on the infringes of the society, isn't it? You look, read throughout the Gospel of Luke, he always brings out people who are considered not to be the, the so-called important people, but the so-called unimportant people, unidentified people. And the story line we heard from a, from a publican or a tax collector, his name also, we don't know. And he's somebody, not nobody would like to associate with him because they are taking the taxes for the Roman government. So no Jew, dare to join with him and say you're my buddy you're my brother no he will not the other is a, a widow a poor widow but the thing is this jesus carefully noticed their worship jesus carefully noticed their worship even jesus was standing at the treasury to see what people are putting in wow but that was like startling to me that jesus is even looking at what we are giving what we are giving now, don't get me wrong. I'm not just talking about the financial giving alone. But that also, he looks, he sees. Because the many rich were putting, but they were keeping more for themselves and putting some. But whereas this woman is concerned, she gave everything. She gave 
everything. She doesn't know where my next meal will come. But even that, that two might, she was willing to give. So Jesus sees that and says, she has given everything that she had. That is worship. That is worship. Even when it costs you, you're willing to obey. It is, you're willing to obey. Humility and obedience goes a long way in worship. Amen? Amen? This morning, church, allow me to take you on a journey. We will look at two scripture passages, one from the Old Testament, one from the New Testament. And both these passages are giving you a glimpse of the worship in heaven. Giving you a glimpse of the worship in heaven. And let's see what is the Holy Spirit reminding us what are the attitudes for worship as we come in his presence. The first story is taken from the book of Isaiah, the prophetic book Isaiah and chapter 6. We all know the story, probably a prophetic call of Isaiah that he saw in the year that King Uzziah died. He saw a vision of the Lord seated on high, seated on high. The train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim, each had six wings. With two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called to the other and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the threshold shook, and the voice of him who called. And the house was filled with smoke. And I said, Wow, is me, for I am lost. For I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. The first story reminds us, worship is a call to holiness. Worship is a call to holiness. Look at this story. The story is so familiar to us. We find prophet Isaiah having a vision in the year of the death of King Uzziah. King Uzziah, by the way, knows, goes by another name called Azariah. You may read about him in 2 Chronicles chapter 26. Look at, look at the way in circumstances in which he died. He was a good king. He's a great king. 52 long years he served in Judah. His mom was well known. He had a good reign. He was able to reestablish the territories for Judah. He did a lot of military exploits for his nation. He was able to recapture many things for his nation. Good man, good name, good reputation. He's doing great. 52 long years of service to the kingdom. But towards the end of his reign, he was puffed up in his heart. He became prideful. You know what he wanted? He wanted to usurp the role of the priest also. He wanted to go into the sanctuary and offer an incense in the altar of incense, which is in the holy place. Even though you are a king, you are anointed from the oil from the temple, still you are not supposed to enter the holy place. The holy place is a place that is only meant for the priests of God. That too, the priests who were appointed for that to come and stay. They were not supposed to come into the holy place. You may be king, but you are not supposed to be there. But he entered there. He wanted to burn an incense to God because he thought if God showed me his favor in all these things, probably I can go in and burn an incense for God as well. The moment he entered, the priest came with several other people and said, King, you have trespassed 
you have trespassed you have gone over your limit this is not meant for you this is not a place and this is not an act that you are supposed to be doing so please don't do this and what happened right there when he had the incense in his hand leprosy broke out on his forehead and he was rushed out of God's temple we find in the scripture like this the rest of his life he lived as a leper and he died as a leper he even he was not able to go and even occupy the throne that was belonged to him so for many many months probably the throne was empty his son Jotham was now ruling probably he never sat on his dad's throne because thinking the dad is still alive and he died as a leper in that context in that context in that year when he died Isaiah sees a vision of God who is seated high and lifted up and there is a host of seraphims who are crying one to another he's seeing this worship that is a constant worship in heaven a constant worship a corporate worship you know the, the last weekend we and we had an opportunity to go for a wedding it was an Orthodox wedding almost an hour and a half long wedding and I was thinking, you know, people were patient, except for maybe 10 minutes of message. Most of the one hour and 20 minutes we were standing. And people were not complaining. And you know, many times I think when we come to worship, we probably had left Orthodox and Syrian Orthodox backgrounds and all, where most of the time the worship were all standing. And I come from a Hindu background. For us, worship was only 10 minutes. Go and see that deity do the pranam and just leave that's it five minutes at the most but sometimes to get there you may have to stand in the queue for a long time but people are willing to do that but you go to some other temples that are totally you know nobody is occupying there you can go there you want to do your offering you can do that and come back very soon so I was thinking like hour, hour and a half long worship uh, service and people are very calm and quiet they're just enjoying the service but come to our weddings these days, you know, as pastors, many times we get to sit with people. Every news like to reduce it to less than an hour somehow. And then one less than an hour for worship or for, for, the, for the service. And then three to four to five hours for what? For the reception. Just think about it, you know. Maybe, maybe some of the young people are thinking, maybe probably it's time to me to change that, isn't it? What is more important for us? So there was a time because this wedding happened in such a way that the wedding was in the afternoon, the reception was in the evening. So there was a thought in us, should we go for the reception only, not for the wedding? I said, no, I want to go for the wedding because that is the most important thing. Even if you don't go for the reception, it's okay. I don't mind not going for the reception, but I want to go for the wedding. So one thing, you know, being there after a long time, being in an Orthodox wedding, uh, the refrain that kept coming there, you know, in, in that liturgy of worship, they have the refrain, when the very beginning, you have the Lord's Prayer. At the very end, you have the Lord's Prayer. Because at the both end, part of the end of the, uh, of the service, you want to confess your sins before God. And in between, you have the trisagion. God, you are holy. Jesus, you are holy. The one who died for us on the cross, you are holy. At constant, I mean, refrain of that is a reminder to the worshiper there that you are standing in holy grounds. You're standing in holy grounds. Worship calls you and me into holy ground. Worship calls you and me into holy ground. When Moses met with God on the mountain, he was told, remove your sandals because the place you're standing is holy ground. 
when Joshua saw the commander of the army, he was told, the place you're standing is a holy place. Worship ushers you and me into the holy of holies, into the place of holiness. What a reminder. You know, when, we read, when I was reading the story in Isaiah 6, two words stood out to me. Number one was temple. Number one was altar. Temple and altar. Two words, beautiful. And, and I just started thinking about from the time of the Garden of Eden, that man had this close communion with God, the fellowship with God. You know, the, 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 the worship in the garden. Always a desire that God would come down and Adam and Eve would meet with God and have fellowship. They were standing in the presence of God. But when sin hit, sin came, it distorted that. It distorted that. From then on, altars became the place of heaven to meet human beings. Altars. Noah is the first man who built an altar that is recorded in the Bible. Abraham, when he was called, wherever he went, he built altars. When you look at Abraham's journey, you will begin to see all over the landscape, he has built altars of worship. Wherever he went, he built altars of worship. But come to the book of Exodus. God said, I will want to dwell with my people. So would you make a tabernacle for me? A tabernacle. Outside doesn't look that good. But as you enter, you have the outer court. Then you have the holy place. And then you have the most holy place. You come to the, come to the uh, outer court. You begin to see the beautiful scarlet yarns. And all the beautiful embroidery that is done. The beautiful tapestry of colors. Just gives you a glimpse of what heavens would look like. Because what did God say? Build everything according to the pattern and the blueprint that I'm showing you. Something that is already there up in heaven. He was just giving them a blueprint to build everything. Why? Every time a worshiper comes into the tabernacle, he's reminded, he's transported into a different plane. He's meeting his God. Hallelujah. From the tabernacle, they moved on to make the first temple under Solomon. There also the same thing happened. But you know what? You and I will never understand how holy our God is. How holy our God is. Look at, look at these seraphims. The burning ones. The flaming ones. They are crying one to another. That's a corporate worship. One is saying to the other, you know what? How can God be described? He can only be described in one word. He's holy. He's holy. He's holy. Hallelujah. But then Isaiah also hears, they are saying, the whole earth is covered with his glory. You and I may not be able to understand His holiness. We can never grasp His holiness. The Bible teaches us that even heaven is not pure in the sight of God. How much more you and I can understand the holiness of God. But for, for you and me, He reveals His glory. He reveals His glory. And that's He has done throughout the Old Testament and in the New Testament. He has revealed His glory so that you and I can understand who God is. The beautiful vision of the Old Testament comes to the New Testament because that's, that's the beauty. You know, this, 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 this desire to always come before God. You know, even David had the desire. Lord, when shall we come before you? I want to come eagerly as a deer panted for streams of living water. How beautiful is your dwelling place? But then in Psalm 15, we are reminded a passage which gives you and me a real a fear it frightens us who can stand before this holy God. Psalm 15 was 1 to 5. Who shall sojourn in your tent, Lord? Who shall dwell in your holy hill? He who walks blamelessly and does what is right and speaks truth in his heart. 
who does not slander with his tongue and does not do evil to his neighbor. Mm. He does not take up reproach against his friend in whose eyes a wild person is despised, but who honors those who fear the Lord, who swears to his own hurt and does not change, who does not put out his money at interest and does not take a bribe against the innocent. He who does these things shall never be moved. In order to meet the holy God, there is a conduct that is, that is desirous of a child of God. Even in the Old Testament, that is true. But come to the New Testament church. This doesn't go away in the Old Testament. Come to the New Testament. In Jesus Christ, you and I are called the temple of the living God. The spirit of God dwells in us. You and I are sacred stones that makes us the temple of God. How much more God wants you and me to live a holy life. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19 to 22, when you read, this is what you read, Ephesians 2, 19 to 22. So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by his spirit. Hmm. So if you and I are part and parcel of the temple of God, if you and I are part and parcel, you and I are the building blocks of God's temple, how much, how much more should we understand how shall we live before God? 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14 to 18 reminds us, what God expects from you and me. Second Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14 to 18. So do not be unnuclearly yoked with unbelievers. For what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? Or what fellowship has light with darkness? What accord has Christ with Belial? Or what portion does a believer share with the unbeliever? What agreement has a temple of God with idols? For we are the temple of the living God. As God said, I will make my dwelling among them and walk among them and I will be their God and they shall be my people. Therefore, go out from their midst and be separate from them, says the Lord, and touch no unclean things. Then I will welcome you and I will be a father to you and you shall be sons and daughters to me. Isaiah sees his vision of God who is holy set aside, set apart in his majesty, in his splendor. And suddenly he realizes, Lord, I am unworthy. I cannot stand before you. A seraphim flies, takes up, hallelujah, a call from the altar. An altar. Altar is a place where you come and I come and confess before God, saying, Lord, I am unworthy to stand before you. Every time a believer would come in the Old Testament, he would bring a sacrificial animal for a burnt offering. Go to the book of Leviticus chapter 1 and he would place his hands on the animal and he would identify with the animal by saying this animal is dying as an atonement for me. I was the one supposed to be offered on the altar. But he, this animal is dying for me. Church, that's what holiness means. Where you and I come before God and confess that we dare not stand with our own righteousness, but on the accomplished work of the cross of Calvary. Apart from the cross, we cannot stand before God. Amen? Apart from Jesus Christ, you and I have no standing before God. But God calls you and me to a sacred, holy 
living. Amen. Namada chindagal, namada vakigal, namada vijarangal, even our thoughts, imaginations, even everything, our action. He's expecting you and me to live a holy life. A second image that I want to share with you, I know my time is running out, is the second ima image is from the book of Revelation. Chapter 4, chapter 5, and chapter 7. They all gives us a beautiful analogy of worship in heaven. Chapter 4, 5, and 7. I just want to read from chapter 7, verse 9 onwards. Revelation chapter 7 was 9 onwards. And after this, I looked and behold a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes and palm branches in their hands and crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures and they all fell on their faces before the throne and worshipped God saying, Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Chapter 4, chapter 5 gives you the same picture. Multitude of thousands and thousands upon people standing, giving thanks to God for one thing, for the eternal salvation. Worship is not only a call to holiness, worship is also a call to gratitude. Ask Noah, what is the first thing that he did when he came out of the ark? You know what? He built an altar and sacrificed on the altar. Why? Because he had seen firsthand the salvation that God prepared for him and his family. The first thing that he did was build an altar and have a burnt offering before God. What are these people saying? What are these people saying? God, we were not worthy. We were not worthy. But you chose us from people group from language group, from tribes, from nations, Lord, to make us your children, Lord. So honor, power, might, dominion, everything be given to you, Lord. We stand in gratitude. We fall down. We lay our crowns before you, God. What is worship, church? Worship is to have, is a call to gratitude. And the, the greatest gratitude that you and I can give is not for the health that he has given us, not for the education, not for the jobs, not for the families, not for a great church, but the greatest gift is a gift of salvation in and through his son, Jesus Christ. Chapter 7 can be interpreted in many ways. Some say this chapter 7 has two kinds of people. The 144, which may be from the tribe of Israel. And then those who during the, the middle of tribulation, those Gentiles who will come to the Lord. In chapter 6, people are crying out, who will save us from the wrath of the Son of God? Who will save us from the wrath of the Lamb of God? But chapter 7 says, yes, there are people who will escape the wrath of the child of, of the Lamb of God. There are people who will stand under the wrath of God's Son. Who are these people? They are the ones who are sealed by God. They are the people who are protected by God. They are the people who will be saved by God. And they will stand together and they will fall on their feet and they will say, thank you Lord for this great salvation. This morning church, chapter 4, 5 and 7 gives you and me a glimpse 
of what worship looks like in heaven and in heaven we will only be giving thanks to god for the great gift of salvation സ്വർഗത്തിൽ ചെല്ലുമ്പോൾ മറ്റൊന്നിനുമല്ല നമ്മൾ നന്ദി പറയുന്നത് ഒരൊറ്റ കാര്യത്തിനുണ്ട് മാത്രമല്ല എന്തെന്നറിയാം കുഞ്ഞാടേ നീ എന്നെ രക്ഷിച്ചല്ലോ you know i was singing meditating on this word and i started thinking back to my 35 years and i said lord how many times i've come in your presence and i've forgotten for what i should be giving you thanks so i started counting can i at least give god thanks for 35 years of salvation and i begin to say lord thank you jesus for gift of salvation thank you jesus for the gift of salvation thank you jesus for the gift of salvation church this morning if nothing else you do can i urge you this morning entreat you this morning look back to the years of your salvation experience and can you give a praise to god for the years for which he has saved you amen shall we rise to our feet hallelujah we're going to enter into a time of worship this morning would you capture in your mind both isaiah's vision and john's vision both of these visions are prophetic in nature one vision is calling you and me to a life of holiness the other vision is calling you and me to a life of gratitude more than anything else church this morning god is calling you and me to live a life that is pleasing to you look at the altar look at the cross on the cross my sins were paid for this morning as we enter his presence can we thank god can we thank god for the supreme sacrifice of jesus christ can we give to god that belongs to god glory might power dominion worship belongs to him and to him alone this morning church shall we give to god don't hold back anything don't hold back your worship this morning in the bagar kala ningal aaradhana ningal maati vekkalle marachu vekkalle ഇന്ന് മകൻ കാലം കൊടുക്കേണ്ടവൻ സ്തുതിയും ബഹുമാനവും പുകഴ്ചയും നൽകേണ്ടവൻ ആ പുകഴ്ചയും ബഹുമാനം കൊടുക്കുവാൻ ദൈവത്തിന്റെ ആത്മാവ് നമ്മെ സഹായിക്കട്ടെ ലെറ്റ്സ് കണ്ടിന്യൂ ടു വർഷിപ്പ് ദി ലോർഡ് ആമേൻ ഹല്ലേലൂയ Thanks for listening to this week's podcast If there is anything we can do to continue equipping you in your pursuit to be like Jesus then please do not hesitate to reach out to us on our website at metrochurch.us Also, if you found today's message to be inspiring and informative, then please share it with your family and friends and leave a review on this podcast platform or on our website. Again, thank you for joining us. We are so grateful for you. Have a great week and God bless you and your family.